Hello there. Thanks for tuning in again. You are again listening to Captain Roy's Rusty Rocket Radio Show, the UK geek science fiction, fantasy and horror podcast. This is episode 451, recorded on Saturday the 23rd of July 2022 at 23.02.30. Let me start off by saying we're not off to a good start. I recorded slightly after my usual starting time, or my usual desired starting time. Extraneous noises again. There were other causes of stress lately which made my Tourette's syndrome worse. And there we are, a moped in the background. Thanks. One of the largest factors lately was my Mac going belly up, my Mac Mini from 2012, when Windows 7 did its usual twice-yearly fatal crash for no reason I have ever been able to discern. Since I've had this, I've been running Windows 7 on it. And twice a year, regular as clockwork, it crashes unrecoverably. And that is it. And this fun continued because I did get the Mac working again using its factory settings and mountain lion rather than Catalina. Due to lower RAM requirements, I've only got 4 gig of RAM in this. And yet, using its factory settings from 2012, where this thing was supposed to have run at quite a clip, it still performed really badly, really sluggishly. I've put in my show notes, like a honey drunk bear on a hot day. Hot day, yeah. We'll talk about the heat in a moment. I then installed Linux on it. I tried the latest Ubuntu, which now, because I think it used to work with Ubuntu, the latest Ubuntu does not seem to recognize the installed Wi-Fi card. Really good stuff, canonical. So I'm back to doing this whole roadshow, (laughs) roadshow carnival, on a decade plus Intel Atom netbook, which is what my Mac Mini replaced. I'm back to the old standby machine, which strangely is still a little bit faster and smoother running Windows 7 than the Mac Mini, which had an Intel 2.5 GHz dual-core i5 processor. It's smoother, but it lacks the RAM, and for certain tasks, it does struggle. Just generally, it seems to run a little faster, and the only discernible reason I can think that that is the case is that machine was designed to run Windows. And that, my friends, is the tip 
of the iceberg of tech problems that I'm currently experiencing. Two phones in the family are on the blink. The only two smartphones, mine, which has seen better days. It's taken a few tumbles. It's older. It doesn't charge very well anymore. And the USB cable keeps falling out. Also, my mother's smartphone and Nokia, I can't remember which Nokia, 6.1 maybe? also seems to be having trouble charging. And on top of that, my car is making funny noises. The energy bill spiked. It has doubled. Okay, that just does not apply to me. That applies to everyone in the entire country. But still, let's talk about the heat. It has been unbelievably hot. It was over 40 degrees on that hottest day just recently. It was so hot there was no humidity in the air, which almost made it slightly bearable. I did have to sleep downstairs, but the following day was a lot more humid, and the day after that cooler but a lot more humid. Today it's a little humid, but not as hot. It's just about bearable. I'm still sweating a bit. It has just been hot. Global warming is beating the crap out of us at the moment. And so we bought our first air conditioner. We had to. Otherwise we would have died. Except. Except. The day I bought it, I had to arrange a return. Because stupid UK windows don't open inwards. And the kit I had to fit this portable air conditioner to the window required a window that opened inwards. Now that I think about it, do any windows open inwards? I, of course, could have done a bit more research, but I was very, very hot and the brain was not working at full efficiency. Of course, I didn't know any of this until I hauled this 30 plus kilogram appliance up the stairs, realised it wouldn't work, and then picked it up and took it back down the stairs. That's what I mean about stress, physical and mental. And man, you know what I've learned out of this experience? Well, for a start... I'm not quite as wimpy as I thought I was, although I was risking putting my back out doing that. Second, this is a bit of a tangent, I've been considering for years whether I could handle carrying around a Vox AC15, which weighs almost 24 kilograms. It's a 15 watt amp that weighs almost 24 kilograms. Obviously, I can lift heavier weights and carry them around, but it is not easy, and you do risk doing your back in, and after carrying this huge lumpen thing up the stairs and then back down, my conclusion is, I don't want to be carrying around heavy amplifiers. So there has been a lot of woe in Castle Royenstein. (laughs) the heading for this 
pre-show segment was Woe, Woe and Thrice Woe, and I was going to use a picture of Frankie Howard from Up Pompeii giving the British two-fingered salute. But because I'm going to be talking about the black phone tonight, I thought I'd use a picture from that. I'd use the movie picture poster from the black phone. Instead of continuing to bemoan my circumstances, let us thus move on to the culture section and talk about what we're here to talk about, which is geekery, and in this case it is horror, and the film The Black Phone. The Black Phone is Joe Hill's 204 short story adapted for the big screen into a Blumhouse film released this year and still playing at cinemas in the UK. In The Black Phone, a teenager tries to evade school bullies, his physically abusive drunken pig of a father, and a child snatcher responsible for the disappearance of several neighbourhood children until he too is snatched. Luckily, and I'm saying that in inverted commas, the ghosts of the kids who were murdered before him are there to help him out of his predicament. And they do this through a strangely disconnected black landline house phone. I think this is a clever premise. I enjoyed, again in inverted commas, the trip back to the late 70s. The movie is well executed. It is well written. The script is quite good, I thought. The scene transitions are cleverly edited. When we move from one time frame to another and there's all this trickery and red herrings, which I quite enjoyed. And the acting is good, especially the actress who played the psychic sister of the protagonist. I thought she was remarkably good in that role. We all, of course, know, no need for a spoiler warning here, that Joe Hill is Stephen King's son. Even if Joe Hill was not Stephen King's son, though, I would still say there's a commonality between the two in terms of this film. I'm talking about Stephen King's It, although in The Black Phone we have a maniacal magician instead of a clown, but both are monsters who prey on children. There is also that element of psychic power, very reminiscent of The Shining. Great book, and a really good horror film. One of my favourite horror films. I know there is a segment of people who are not enamoured of Stanley Kubrick's masterpiece, including Stephen King himself, but they are wrong. Brilliant film. There are, therefore, some similarities between The Black Phone of Joe Hill and other works of his father. 
However, he does succeed in differentiating himself as well from Dad, in the Joe Hill's prose is more complex and intricately woven than that of his father, which is more straightforward, plain English. I hate to say meat and potatoes, but yeah, meat and potatoes. Joe Hill's cameos are also less offensive than that of Stephen King. I really hate Stephen King's cameos. I said the same thing about Stan Lee and then regretted it when he died, but Stan Lee, in comparison to Stephen King, doing cameos deserved an Oscar. Stephen King's cameos are terrible. And I'm saying that as a fan of King. I have a picture of Stephen King on my wall. Terrible. Joe Hill's not as bad. Although, honestly, I would prefer that cameos did not exist. Because they do have the ability of taking you out of a film. All for the sake of vanity. In conclusion, I would say that the movie suffers from its depressing subject matter. Now, that isn't entirely the fault of the story or the film or anyone involved in it. That's just how I feel at the moment. At the moment, I felt depressed watching this. One thing that could have been avoided, but this is a price you play when you hire an amazing A-list celebrity, I did not like the camp performance of Ethan Hawke, who plays the bad guy. Retrospective spoiler warning. Why would a serial murderer of teenage boys have to be gay? And why would a gay man be particularly effeminate? That portrayal strikes me as obvious and... I'm afraid homophobic. That is my shortish review of The Black Phone, which is still out in the cinemas now. I think it was released a month ago, maybe? I would say it's worth a watch. It's not the most stunning film ever made, but it is a summer horror movie. Have there been other summer horror movies this year of note. I know we've got the Jordan Peele Nope coming up. I'm not so sure if that's horror or science fiction, though. Or science fiction horror. Hey, I do Doctor Who. That's my bag. (laughs) Next, Star Trek Strange New Worlds. In 450 which was the last episode of this pod, I talked about the end of season one and completely forgot to mention the return of my favourite space captain of all time, James Tiberius Kirk. How could I forget? Partly it's because Anson Mount's Pike is even more charismatic than the new Kirk actor that we have. This is not a criticism, as you are about to find out. 
the last episode of Season 1 of Star Trek Strange New Worlds was Episode 10, which was all about Captain Christopher Pike and his attempts to escape his horrendous future predicted by the Klingon monks on that planet that I can't remember. The time-travelling Klingon monks. (laughs) It also introduced Paul Wesley, an actor, I believe, who made his name on Supernatural, as the new actor playing Jim Kirk. I liked this new portrayal. I think it's closer to the William Shatner version than Chris Pine's, though I would say Chris Pine's Captain Kirk is more fun. Chris Pine's Captain Kirk is, in fact, the most fun we've ever had with Kirk. However, I think this new actor, Paul Wesley, gives us a more nuanced, measured, truer Kirk, especially the Kirk of James Blish's original series episode novelizations. You see, although I had watched the original series many times over, by the time I started reading the novelizations, I really got into those books. Those books, for me, became part of the head canon, part of how I saw those characters, Kirk, Spock, and McCoy. And is a substantial amount of the reason that I love those characters. Kirk isn't quite as jokey as he seems to be in the original series, or of course the reboot with Chris Pine. Both those characterizations are very charismatic. The Kirk from the book is still charismatic, and a womanizer, and all those things. But he's also a deeper character. I love how they show some of this in episode 10 of Strange New Worlds. I love how his assumed recklessness by everyone, including his brother, thanks a lot bro, is shown as the brilliant, non-conventional thinking that we, as fans of Kirk, all know and love. Especially if you're a fan of those James Blish books. This Kirk does seem more like that Kirk. In the show, you would say Kirk is a maverick. In the book, not so much. He is a fairly by-the-book Federation captain. He's just able to think outside the box in a way that often irritates his superiors no ends, but still. I hope what I've said goes to redress the massive missing chunk that I should have added in 450 about my favourite Starship Captain of all time, Jim Kirk. And his happy return in this show. And they balanced it really well. They did not let one character eclipse the other. 
Perhaps they went a bit too the other way, because, as I said in 450, I completely forgot to talk about him. Finally, Miss Marvel, that is it. For the excellent assortment of royal sweets, that is Miss Marvel. That is a sentence you will understand if you're a Desai. <laughs> Spoiler warning coming in 3, 2, 1. Look out for the Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel scene at the end. Yes, we are going to see a little bit of Brie Larson for a brief instant. That is it for the show. We're now in the after show section. I have absolutely nothing written in the show notes. So anything that you do see at the end of the show notes that I add will be from stuff that I've just improvised off the cuff. Stuff that I'm talking about right now. You may have noticed that I'm not talking as much about things that I've watched. That is because I'm watching less. There are a lot of shows that I would like to catch up on, but I'm taking it easy. There is no rush. I have a large comic book to read, which I'm looking forward to doing, and I might do that instead of just staring at the TV, which is starting to just get a little boring, to be honest. Oh, and the other thing that I wanted to do was take a deeper dive into that great big tome of Who that I purchased recently. It's right here on the coffee table. It's got such a long title. The Handbook, the unofficial and unauthorised guide to the production of Doctor Who. I'm finding it a bit of a struggle to work my way through this, to find any tidbits of useful information for me to add to my classic Doctor Who revisit, which, by the way, we are still doing, and that will be the next episode of this pod that you hear. So I am very glad that I bought it secondhand. There is something joyous about buying secondhand books as well. They've already been pre-mauled by whoever's read them before, so you don't feel like you have to be too precious with them, which is something I always struggle with having OCD. I worry about how much I'm damaging my books, especially the new ones. I'm not one of those people that can just crack a spine. <laughs> That's just about it for today. A fairly short podcast, although now we've got up to 30 minutes. But by the time I edit it down, I'm sure it'll be a little shorter. Let me stop waffling like this and just end the show. What else did I want to say? Oh, yeah, I am still using the SM58 microphone. I want to start using the SM7B, which I've got in the other room. It just requires me to practice with it. And frankly, it does sound better than the SM58. But one advantage of the 58 is it is really good screening out background noise. It's not my favourite mic by a long shot. I think the Behringer XM8500 sounds better. But 
I just don't record as much background noise as with any of the other mics. It does require a lot of editing, though, and quite a lot of gain. Though, as I said at the top of the show, I'm now using my 2012 Beats netbook. Not a great laptop, but one thing it does have, it has extremely high gain on its mic in and line out. 3.5 millimeter sockets which means I can turn down the gain and level on my mixer. So who knows, I might be able to use the SM7B without my Triton Fethead. Enough gadget waffle. That is it for the show. The show that you just listened to is produced, presented, and edited by me, Roy Matur, a writer. Matur is spelt M-A-T-H-U-R. You can find more about me or get in touch at RoyMatur.com. If you want to help, please help. I need help. Or review and rate the show on whatever platform you listen. Recommend it to a friend or enemy. Or click on the contact or support link on the website. That is it, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. You were listening to Captain Roy's Rusty Rocket Radio Show, the UK geek science fiction, fantasy, and horror podcast. This was episode 451, recorded on Saturday, the 23rd of July, 2022, and the time at the end of the show is 23.36.40. Thanks for listening, and bye-bye for now. Bye.